Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome into the Fog.net podcast. My name is Michael Swain, the Kansas beat writer for 24-7 Sports. And I am joined today by Kevin Flaherty. We're going to talk some Kansas football. This is going to be part one of a two-part post-spring practice podcast. We're going to do some more general topics today. And then later this week, we have endless fan questions i think somewhere near 20 that we're going to get to and so we're gonna most do... questions we've ever gotten yeah it's great i think it shows probably how much interest there is in key football heading out of spring practice into the summer you know now the basketball is over i think the excitement can start to build towards you know fall camp in the in the 2023 season so we'll be doing the two different podcasts you'll be listening to this first part on tuesday second part will be out friday morning um, and really excited to dive into this with Kevin. You know, obviously, you know, we both track it. I'm at a lot of the practices and stuff, and I know Kevin pays close attention to it. So, I mean, Kevin, let's dive right in. I want to talk about the spring showcase to start. I'm going right. to lob this up to you like Tawan Harris <laughs> to KJ Adams in Des Moines, and I'll let you dunk this down. Kevin, how, how much did you enjoy watching the spring game? You know, I was – I'll be honest with you. I, I was a little upset about the way that it went out, which is which is why if you're not watching the video of this, uh, Swain has just like a giant grin on his face as he's asking me this question. Um, I didn't like the format of it. I, I think the people who watch the spring game, whether it's in person or whether they're going back and watching the video later, they're, they're the diehards. They're the people who want to know hey, how's this second string freshman defensive tackle looking? You know, they want to see all of it. And for those of you who who haven't been to ESPN Plus to uh, to watch the proceedings, you're, you're, you're really not missing a whole lot because they didn't actually show really the spring showcase. They showed a few selected highlights. They showed it from, you know, some different camera angles. That I will say that the Jalen Daniels QB cam thing, kind of cool. Like it, yeah. it really, it really was. And it was a little bit different, you know, when they, when they did that and you could kind of see what, uh, what Jalen was seeing, but at the same time, you know, for those of us who just, we wanted to watch the game, you know, make our little notes, observations, et cetera. You, you can't do that from the broadcast. And, and so rather than having a couple hours and, you know, having all the stuff and, you know, obviously in past, you know, spring showcases or spring games, whatever you want to say, they've uh, they've had alumni on and people to talk about how excited they are about the program. And so there are different ways that that can kind of turn into a commercial 
for your program as well. And, and so I think by going with the abbreviated version, by not really showing the spring showcase and, and just kind of showing, hey, a highlight here, a highlight there, you know, I, I really think they almost did themselves a disservice to, to people who were really excited about it. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that stood out to me at least was I was there in person. I watched it from the sideline, and, you know, you don't necessarily learn a ton from it, right? You know, it's sure. more about, hey, you know, what players are out there and available, um, who can look good in a thing like that. You don't want to overreact to it, but it's something that I think, Kevin, you made a really good point, right? What happened on ESPN Plus was a commercial, and that's cool. But I think it would have been really nice if there was a, a separate broadcast, just a live feed or something like that for people like yourself. And I know there are a lot of fans on the message board, for example, that really wanted to watch it and just see because not everyone lives in Kansas City or in Kansas or within a, a three, four hour drive where it's feasible. You know, people have lives and jobs and it was a Friday night. It makes it kind of tough to travel to. So it'd been really nice if fans were able to watch it. Now, I will say as someone that was there, didn't learn a whole lot. You know, Brian Borland made the joke. Uh, I think we talked to him on Thursday before it was on Friday. And as he's like walking up and leaving, he's like, all right, well, you know, a lot of vanilla ice cream tomorrow night. And you're just like, oh, okay. Like no tricks, a lot of just basic stuff. And sure. considering the fact that they, the way they did it, they could have done some trick plays and got crazy with the scheme and nobody would have known. Cause Alabama ran a trick play in their spring wow. game. That was it. And you know, if they're, if Alabama's out there, you know, running trick plays and stuff like that, you know, it's, uh, I think Nick Saban's kind of captain of, you know, vanilla ice cream land a lot of mm -hmm. times in that stuff. But, but no, I mean, it, it can, it can be fun and it can be something that can serve to kind of generate more excitement and all of that. Yeah. One thing I wanted to get to and ask you about, mm -hmm. um, you mentioned availability. Kansas did not have full availability of players for a lot of this spring. Can, mm -hmm. can you kind of break down maybe a little bit, you know, some of the, the areas where, where Kansas was short? Because, you know, a lot of places like running back, for instance, you know, Kansas really didn't have its full complement of players. Well, Kevin, I think you have to go back to last season, and I think this is a, a really holistic approach that the coaching staff made where you look at what transpired as the season went on, right? Early in the year when K was playing really, really well, you know, what were they doing? They were stopping the run, and they were running the ball really well. And that starts with a physical approach up front. And then as the season went on, right, I think the guys got worn down. And I think what the coaching staff decided is that they wanted to focus on physicality this spring. You return so much, you know what you have, and those players know what the scheme is. This isn't this time last year where guys have to learn the offense or guys have to learn where they need to be. They know that at this point, right? And so they can focus on physicality, tackling, uh, shedding blocks, setting good blocks, and I think that as a result, some of those high-impact positions like running back, like defensive end, were really impacted. And I think you look at maybe something that Jordan Peterson said that I'll pull up here. You know, they kind of just decided that, hey, we're going to make this decision. And it's one of these situations where we're just going to have to live with it. Guys are going to miss practice. They're going to miss time. And it's just going to be a part of what they're going to do to take the next step as a program. And I know that – you hear that, hey, you know, Devin Neal didn't take many snaps during spring practice or, hey, you know, the walk-on running backs were out there taking snaps during spring practice. doesn't sound great. And yet 
I think just overall, it's kind of necessary to take that next step. And I think you look at the timing too, right? Katie wrapped it up in early April and you've got what, four months until fall camp starts? You know, sure. you got time. So it's not like something where this is going to really severely impact someone if they get an injury. And Andy Kolnick, you said that KU loves spring practice pretty healthy. So I, I just think overall it's kind of just a decision they made and they're kind of living with the results. Yeah, to your point, you know, you look at the Baylor game, for instance, mm-hmm. and, and Kansas really got out-toughed and out-physicaled, I thought, defensively in that game. If Baylor had just sort of lined up and run the ball, you know, they, they might have been able to rush for 400 yards in that game. And then what happens? Kansas gets a bye week. They get a little healthy. They get a little refreshed. They play Oklahoma State coming off the bye and look like a totally different team. And so I do think, you know, you have some points there. You know, not only did they wear down from the physicality, but they wore down, I think, from the lack of depth. And that was another thing that, you know, heading into the spring, that was something they really wanted to build uh, build on and continue to, to grow was to be able to have you know, a legitimate two deep plus where you feel okay. Hey, this guy doesn't have to play 70 snaps. He can play mm-hmm. 45 and, and we feel okay about the the guy who's going to come in and, and get the rest of them. Yeah, exactly. And I think the depth is a big part of this. And I think that you saw KU do load management, you know, Lance Lapwell mm-hmm. talked on this here podcast about the fact that they're going to watch the reps of guys like Mike Nowitzki didn't take a rep during spring practice. Because obviously he had off-season surgery, but they just didn't really rush him back. Marvin Grant got very little reps at the end of spring practice. Kenny Logan didn't even practice during spring ball. Like They decided that this was going to be about building physicality for the whole team, but also really just developing that depth. And I think you saw guys like Jalen Dye really come on strong. And I think he's someone that the coaching coaching staff was really pleased with, you know, Brian Borland compared the fact that the mental mistakes that Jalen made at the start of practice were kind of gone by the end of spring practice, where he said he could count on one hand, kind of the mistakes he had made scheme wise or mentality wise um, over the last couple of practices. So I think stuff like that is just incredibly positive. And I think we'll probably get transition to maybe some standout performers from spring practice. Um, Kevin, I know you're not necessarily at the press conferences, but I know you track this stuff. Who are some of the people that I think maybe stood out to you or, or caught your attention during spring ball? Well, I think a guy that, that got a lot of mention um, and, and, you know, went from a guy that maybe you and I were talking about, hey, this guy's a backup to potentially this guy, you know, could wind up starting is Tommy Dunn. And, you know, you expect – you know, kind of with those young defensive tackles with he and DJ Withers, that there's going to be a process there. You know, the the old saying is that the game moves fastest for the people who are closest to the ball, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a defensive tackle and you take a bad step, you're out of the play more often than not. And so it, it's a process to get to the point where you're not taking bad steps and where you are moving aggressively in the right direction and doing a lot of the right things. Uh, you know, Tommy Dunn was a was a guy that that really jumped out. You know, I, I thought some of the newcomers it, it sounded mm-hmm. like played really well. And a guy that you know, I actually would love for for you to touch on as as somebody who was there. We went from saying, "Hey, Kansas has four returning starters, and Logan Brown's probably going to plug into that extra tackle spot." To there's this offensive guard from out in Pac-12 country that may wind up with one of those starting spots himself and and may beat out a returning starter to get there. Yeah, I think the offensive line um, 
is really fascinating. And I think, you know, you talk about good players that are players that had a good spring camp, you know, Kobe Baines, I think is a guy that fans are going to need to track because he's someone that let's see if I can explain this right. Basically what KU decided to do was cross train everyone. And they did this last spring, but I think they really emphasized it this spring and Mike Nowitzki not being there for practice really allowed them to do this where they basically like Dominic Pooney got reps at center. Michael Ford got reps at center. You know, Armaja Reed Adams was learning both guard positions. Kobe Baines was learning right guard and right tackle. You look at someone like Bryce, Bryce Cable do learning left tackle, right tackle. So they really mixed and matched a lot of these players to where everyone can play multiple positions. So if someone gets hurt, it's not okay. Now you got to put in the second guard. It's cool. Who's your next best offensive lineman? Great. Put them in and they should be able to play there. And I think Kobe Baines really exemplifies that where right now, if you said, Hey, Michael, he's going to start at right guard next year. I'd say, yeah, okay. I believe it. You know, yeah. I could see, you know, Logan Brown and Bryce Cable do being the tackles and Kobe Baines being a guard. If you said, Hey, Michael, Kobe Baines is going to start at right tackle. I'd say, yeah, I believe it too. And I think he's someone that really came along over the course of spring. You know, he got snaps last year, right. Against Texas, against Kansas state. Kordonicki said at times maybe it, it was a good learning experience for him that the coaches can say, hey, man, like all this stuff we've been harping on in practice, you just saw in the game that you really need to do that. And I think he took that to heart and really built on it. Um, I, I want to talk about offensive line holistically a little bit later, but I think just personality-wise, I think he fits. He talked at the end of spring practice, was really impressed just how thoughtful I think he was and talking about his own experience and how coming in, I mean, he got – on campus in late August. Like that's a challenge, right? He missed most of fall camp. And so this is really the first time where it's not been game prep or game week when he's been able to really get in and practice and practice a lot. So he was someone that really stood out to me Um, back on defense. I think JB Brown is another guy that I think the fans are going to need to watch. You know, it always says something when Lance Leipold goes out of his way to mention someone. And that's what he did with J.B. Brown a lot during spring practice. And, you know, we asked about specific players or specific groups. J.B. Brown got mentioned when you ask Leipold about transfers coming in, when you ask about the linebacker group, or just guys that maybe exemplify the physicality that they want to have. And look, he's still working on the mental side of things, right? It's his first spring practice. We saw Craig Young last year, right, kind of struggle early in the season and really come on as it went along. I think there's going to be a similar kind of trend with J.B. Brown where maybe he's not playing a ton of snaps in August or the first two weeks of September. But I think by middle of October, he's going to be playing a lot because he's got the physicality. You watch him move. He's super athletic. He's a guy that I think when you see those blitzes that we saw Tyron Barry, he'll do a lot last year. I think he can really excel there. I think he's a guy that you look at what K.E. wants this linebacker room to be going forward. It's 6'2", 230, athletic, can move. And I think that he's just a great start there. Yeah, you saw sort of a similar journey with Lorenzo McCaskill as well last year where he his playing time and his reps really picked up over the course of the season. Uh, I think, you know, one of the interesting things too, you know, you, you mentioned die. you know, I, I think that safety group has some guys in it and, and you know, and with, you know, Logan not playing with Marvin Grant, really not playing, you were able to see like, Hey, this is a group that has some real depth there. I think. Mm-hmm. 
I think so. And I think obviously a spring like this where you're two kind of two of your top three guys aren't playing, right? Sure. And Grant and Kenny Logan. Well, it forces OJ Burris to be more vocal. And if you've ever been around OJ, he's just quiet. It's just who he is as a personality. And I think this spring forced him to come out of his shell a little bit in terms of just being an on-field leader. It doesn't mean he's going to be the jokester in the locker room or anything like that, but I think you're just having the confidence to demand a standard from your teammates is something that, that really helps with. And then you look at someone like Jalen Dye, who got those opportunities at the boundary safety position. I don't think he's going to play a ton at boundary safety this fall. Why? Because he's got Kenny Logan and Marvin Grant ahead of him. But Jalen Dye now has the confidence to go play a lot on special teams and make an impact there. And then you look at next season, right, 2024. Well, you're going to be without Kenny Logan. Um, I got to look at the eligibility. Marvin Grant will have another year. It's just a question if it's a COVID year or senior year. Um, and there could be more snaps there. So I think this spring is so big for kind of building that depth underneath the starters, and Jalen Dye is just a great example of it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, I think so, too. And another guy on the offensive line, I thought Spencer Lovell is a guy that has a chance sort of in that guard group as well. I mean, we, we've talked about it on this podcast, it feels like four or five times, but it was something that if you were at the Liberty Bowl, you notice the difference in size and physicality and, mm-hmm. you know, and everything between Arkansas and Kansas uh, on both lines of scrimmage. And, and I think that was, that was a big part of the reason that the Kansas went into the transfer portal, you know, to go get another guy that can plug into that, that guard conversation. That's the reason, obviously, with them losing the defensive tackles they did, you go out and get like a Devin Phillips, a Gage Keys, guys mm-hmm. like that. And so I'm interested to see how that physicality plays out uh, this next season too. Yeah, and I think overall that I'll use this as a transition then to talk about just holistically the offense. I think it's a group that with a lot of returning production, right, I think we know what the offense did. And I think after the season, Kevin, maybe it was, we talked about what the next step could be for the offense next year. And I think the physicality up front is really that big step. Yep. And I think you look at that offensive line room and what it could look like. 
Because again, I don't know. Like this is the thing about this fall camp that's gonna be so fascinating is that it's like the right type of position battles, right, Kevin? There have been times in the past where you go into a K football fall camp and you're like, God, I mean, who's gonna start here? Like, oh boy, you know, it's not looking good. Well, now you're like, well, guess what? There's a real possibility that a former five-star recruit doesn't start. There's a four possibility that a guy that started multiple power five games isn't gonna start. Actually, it's guaranteed that at least one player who has started multiple power five games will not start on KU's offensive line. Yeah. That is guaranteed. It's crazy. And I think that offensive line room is where it's going to start. Um, I'm not going to predict who it's going to be because I don't know. I don't think the coaches know. I think they're going to go into fall camp with a pretty clean slate. They're going to say, all right, Mike, go snap at center. Sure. Everyone else, let's figure it out. Right. Yeah, sure. See where it goes. And so I just look at it and there's a world where you could have, Six seven Dominic Pooney, uh, six six, you know, three forty, something like that. Spencer level. You could have a, a Logan Brown at right tackle or left tackle, or Bryce Cable do at left tackle or right tackle and be pretty good. Or maybe Kobe Baines wins a job. And overall, you're just looking at it and you're saying this offensive line group can improve its physicality, right? Because I think yeah. you're looking at it and saying, Okay, you know, I don't know if Michael Ford's gonna start, or I don't know. Um who's going to start at right tackle if cable is going to win or if he's going to move to left, like you don't know. And really it's just looking at it and saying there's a higher level of physicality there. They're more experienced. They're a year older. They've worked with Matt Gildersleeve for another year. And it's just exciting to look at. And I think that's probably where you're going to see the biggest step offensively for KU. Yeah, I think, I think it was former K-State coach Ron Prince who said once in a press conference, we don't have any left guards. Those are not, those are not the, uh, the kind of position battles that, uh, that you want to hear about where you feel like you don't have any of those guys. And, and I know we'll, we'll talk about newcomers and stuff like that later, but I think that's one of the things that, that kind of stood out if we're talking about the offense as a whole is just where, where do you get better? I mean, you bring back 10 starters from a team. You're you're ranked number one in the country in returning offensive production, according to Bill Connolly's returning production metric. And and they were, I think, ninth in the country, something like that, ninth in the country, I think, in SP plus in offense. Mm -hmm. So you're number one in returning production and it's coming back from a top 10 offense. And, And so you look at like where they could get better. And I think, you know, Jalen could stand to get a little bit more consistent. You know, I, I think there were some points last year, you know, when you look at Iowa State, you look at TCU, where maybe there were some plays there that, that didn't quite work out. Um, even against Arkansas, you know, in the first half, it, there were some plays that, that maybe Jalen left out there. And obviously he was brilliant, you know, down the stretch of that. But I think you want to see that, you know, when you look at the running game, and I feel like we talked about this coming out of the Arkansas game, a lot of Kansas's running success early in the year too revolved around them tricking people. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's part of the game is, is basically getting a team to look left and you run right. And Andy Kotelnicki is a master of that. But I say that to say that Kansas can get better at – you know, just lining up and running the ball over the top of somebody, you know, even when the other team knows you want to run it and they know, mm-hmm. hey, you know, we may have to deal with an option play here or whatever else. Kansas is still going to trick people. You know, Andy Kotelnicki did not become a bad offensive coordinator in the offseason. But at the same time, the ability to also line up 
And hey, even if they guess right, you know, we may still get our yards regardless. Uh, yeah. I think is a big part. I think the other thing that is interesting moving forward, obviously Kansas is incredibly scholarship tight at this point. You know, they're they're still over the limit, correct? They're yeah, no, they're they're at they're either at eighty five or they're like one under right now. Yeah, so there aren't anybody who's looking at this year's roster right now and they're saying, "Man, like Kansas just needs to go splash on five more guys." No, it's it's probably not going to happen. And so you look at you know sort of triage where you know where that scholarship can go, and I'm sure we'll mm-hmm. we'll talk about this on the defensive side, but if they do anything offensively. I think it's got to be for a guy that is a receiver that can create splash plays after the catch. Cause I think that's the one thing they're really missing. They have a fairly deep receiving group. They bring back so many guys. LJ is a contested catch guy. You know, Quentin Skinner is a tall guy that can get over the top and, and made some unbelievable catches last year. You know, Luke Grimm, we know what he is. He, you know, he's a terrific route runner, finds ways to get open, all of those different things. It would help this offense out so much, though, if you had a guy who can catch a slant or something like that, break a tackle, and go for 50 yards. Somebody who could pick up a chunk play off of a safe play. Somebody that they could run jet sweeps to and and things like that. I think that's kind of the the next step with this group coming out of the spring. And I don't know that they'll have a chance to address that in the portal. I think it depends on whether a guy leaves that maybe we're not expecting, you know, whatever else. Cause I think both of us would agree that right now, any scholarship that th- that's there, whether it's one or two scholarships is probably going to defense uh, in the portal. Uh, but if they do have a chance to add something, I would think that that would be sort of the one offensive ad that they would look at. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think you saw K spend a lot of capital, right? Capital being official visits um, last December, trying to get that type of person. Yeah. You know, there was a, a Syracuse transfer who went to Arkansas State that they tried to look at. There was a JUCO guy that went to Arizona. He was a West Coast guy, so it made sense why he went to Arizona. Um, but they tried, and they weren't able to. And I think it's all going to depend, right? The whole scholarship thing is just tough to track. Um, so if they end up with two spots, like I could see them going one D end and maybe a wide receiver in the portal. Yeah, It's just one spot. You got to go defense. And that leads us here. What stood out about KU's defense during spring practice. Um, I think overall, like the athleticism is improved for me. Like when you look at, First and foremost, I think the defensive tackles room is really where you can spot that, right? I think we've talked about it before, right? Sam Burt, Eddie Wilson, Caleb Sampson, great people, right? Really important players for establishing the culture at Kansas. Guys that stuck through a lot. Um, yeah. You look at Caleb Taylor, right? Or sorry, Caleb Sampson and Sam Burt, right? Two guys that stayed through the coaching change. Eddie Wilson that made the switch from Buffalo. Really good humans. Yeah. Football players, not necessarily the biggest high ceiling guys, and I think somewhat limited athletically. Well, you look at Devin Phillips. I think we talked about him at the start of spring practice, but, you know, 6'2", 325, but he can move. And I heard he really impressed during spring practice and physically, you know, 
holding double teams, shedding double teams. Then you look at someone like Gage Keys athletically, what he can bring at 6'5", you know, kind of in that 280 range. Uh, that's a lot better and a lot different than what Kansas has had at defensive tackle. And then, of course, you get Tommy Dunn, right? And Tommy Dunn's the guy that, if you go back and watch that Arkansas game, go to the second half and just watch Tommy Dunn a couple of times because he took on some double teams from the Arkansas's number one offensive line and looked fine and held his own and was good. And that's exciting. And so I think you look at the overall athleticism of the front four factor in Austin Booker, you know, Jeremy Robinson's athletic. He's got some twitch. And then you look at linebacker, right? You still got Craig Young there. You add JB Brown. And then you look at cornerback, right? Kobe Bryant's pretty athletic. You know, you look at some like Demarius McGee, if he's able to earn a starting spot and or just a role at corner, he's got some athleticism. So overall, I think there's more pop there. That's going to be really exciting. Um, that's at least what caught my attention during spring practice. Yeah, that's that's on the positive side. On the negative side, I think <clears throat> um, I, I think you really have to look at that defensive end spot because, uh, you know, Jeremy Robinson, you know, outproduced Malcolm Lee last mm -hmm. year at that spot. And so you could almost call Jeremy Robinson a returning starter. Um, he's he's produced and friend of the show, Kent Swanson, um, is of the opinion that uh, that he's KU's best pro prospect. And and, mm -hmm. and he may be. I mean, like you said, he's got some twitch to him. You know, he's he's got some length and, and things like that. And so that spot is, is solid. But you look at the other spot, you know, Patrick Joyner being banged up, you know, you really didn't get a chance to for him to show things. You know, I'm really bullish on Austin Booker's potential, you know, but you're asking an awful lot for a guy to go from not playing to all of a sudden, you know, eating that many snaps, you know, and they, they've got a few other guys that have kind of kicked around a little bit that maybe you'd like to see do a little bit more like a Davion Westmoreland you'd like to see, you know, step in, you know, and play a, a little bit more and a little bit bigger role. And that's not necessarily a knock on Davion. It's just right now you're at a spot where you have Jeremy Robinson at one spot. And then I feel like you've got a big question mark at the other spot. And then in terms of depth too, you know, what you can expect, but if you bring in somebody else, you know, like we've talked about in the portal, if you bring in another defensive end, somebody that you feel good about as a starter, you know, all of a sudden maybe you feel good about your depth because you feel good about Austin Booker eating 25 snaps rather than 50 snaps or, or something like that. And, and, you know, when they look in the portal for defensive end and they will look in the portal, I feel like for, for defensive end, I, I think you and I were talking about this before, but I think they're going to look for – Lonnie Phelps, and I don't necessarily mean Lonnie Phelps because, yes, they would love to have Lonnie Phelps. What I mean is a proven commodity, a guy who's got a, gotten a lot of snaps and things like that at a lower level of play. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I, I think that, you know, if you start seeing, you know, a random defensive end pop up from Western Michigan or something like that who had, you know, 13 tackles for loss or something last year, don't be surprised if you hear, you know, hey, one of the first teams to reach out for him was was Kansas. Yeah, and on the topic of defensive end, well, here, how about this? On the topic of the portal, um, seeing all the Colorado departures kind of is very interesting because you look at sure. the numbers in the portal right now, about 70%. 
of the players in the portal have not started a college game. Yeah. 70%. A lot of these players are guys that are lower on the two deep. They're thinking they need to go to a new school. Well, there are a lot of players thinking that right now. And yep. the market for defensive end has been compared to the market for the offensive line last year where, I mean, look, th there was a guy from Butler Community College who ended up at USC who, you know, should, should, considering where USC is going, shouldn't be there. And you look at an offensive line like Flavio Gonzalez, who's committed to KU. Well, Oregon State comes and picks him because he's a West Coast kid. Like there was so much competition for those offensive linemen last year. It was so tough. KU had to hide Dominic Pooney. They had to hide him to make sure they got him on campus. Well, whatever that was last year for offensive line is what it is this year for defensive end. Yeah. So I'll give you a name to watch. Kyrie Mann, Manns yeah. um, from Maine, a guy that has played a lot of football. Um, the staff knows him from their Buffalo days. They literally were his first offer out of high school. He ended up picking – Maine because he liked the defensive coordinator. He liked that he could learn from some older guys and it really worked out for him. And so he's going to be coming in on an official visit the first weekend of May. And so that'll be a name to watch, but it's going to be competitive for the defensive end spots. And you just got to see, you know, it's going to be tough to find a guy that is a Lonnie Phelps, but if you can just find a guy that's capable, um, I think that's an improvement. And I just, it's, I'm, I'm pretty concerned about the defensive end spot because Jeremy Robinson is talented. He also has not been able to stay healthy. Yep. That's the fact of the matter. And are you expecting, it's like Daniel Hyshaw. I'm sure we'll talk about him later, but um, a guy that's had two big injuries, right? Do you expect him to buck the trend and stay healthy for a full season? You'd hope so. And you really, really hope so. But again, you can't ignore past history. And Jeremy Robinson was banged up most of last season. He had some injuries the year before in Lance Leipold's first year. And so can he stay healthy all season? I, I don't know. So for me, yeah, I think defensive end spot is probably the, the biggest concern. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I went with the negative just because you started with the positive. But but I do think there are a lot of things to be positive about on defense. You know, with you, you bringing back your back seven, you know, when, when you look at that group, you know, and Craig Young being the Hawk type guy, you bring back a lot of quality depth, too. And, and I thought mm -hmm. they really did a nice job in the portal because I do think that Devin Phillips fills a major need in terms of what they needed in terms of a guy that's really going to hold his ground and, and help them in the run game. But I also felt like they didn't have a lot of interior pass rush last year. And I think mm -hmm. that we're where somebody like Gage Keys comes in and gives them something a little different than, than what they've had. If you look at the defensive ends just walking around out there, Austin Booker looks different than what Kansas had mm -hmm. at defensive end. If you look at the defensive backs running around, you know, Demarius McGee looks a little twitchier, a little, you know, a little bit different than, than maybe some of their other guys. And so, I, I really thought that they did a great job going after those guys in the portal. I wish we could have seen a little bit more Patrick Joyner because I think there's a question there. I feel like where is Joyner going to be an every down type guy? Is he going to be able to stop hold up against the run enough to do that? Or does he become sort of a third down specialist type guy? Cause he can get after the quarterback. He's quick. There's, there's no doubt about that. You can turn on his Miami tape. You can turn on his Utah State tape. He's quick. He can get after the passer. The question is going to be, hey, when you're playing Texas and they want to run the ball 40 times, you know, that game, 
what's Patrick Joyner going to do at that point? And we haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. We, we didn't get really get a chance to see him in a very physical spring. And, and, you know, that'll be something to watch moving forward. But I really did think that they did an outstanding job sort of looking at that defensive group and saying, hey, we're bringing back a bunch of guys, but what do we need? And for the most part, I felt like they really filled in those gaps well. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I think so. Um, and so spring ball obviously ended and they did their exit interviews um, for people that aren't familiar. Basically what happens is the week after spring practice ends, the position coaches all meet with their players one-on-one and then they'll go and meet with, I think it's, so it's Lance Leipold, Matt Gildersleeve, the position coach, and then usually an academic advisor for guys that are older to go over, Hey, you know, you're this close to graduation. You can be a graduate transfer or here's the credits you need to finish to get to this point. And basically they just discuss where they're going and things are pretty blunt. You know, yeah. they, you know, that's the thing about this coaching staff. They tell it like it is to everyone. And I think it's one of the reasons why they've been so successful is because everyone always knows where they stand. There's no questions. And that's what this is about. And so you saw some players enter the portal um, so far, really three scholarship guys, you know, Demarion Alexander, defensive end, um, he's probably going to drop down a level, maybe go down to FCS. Um, Keelan Robinson probably going down to – he's gotten some, about I think, MAC offers, right, Kevin? Um, yeah. MAC offers from him. And then Ethan Vasco um, headed to Coastal Carolina. I think that's a really good spot for him. You know, he's someone that – you look at the quarterback room, right? Just, yeah, Jalen Daniels, and it's just not really a, a clear path to playing time. And at Coastal Carolina, he'll have that. So – so far, really three scholarship, you know, exits as of, you know, Tuesday. So portal window closes this Saturday. And Kevin, as we get into summer now, I want to know what is the biggest area of confidence you have? Actually, you know, let's start negative and we can end on a positive. <laughs> um, what's the biggest concern? The, the compliment sandwich. Yeah, exactly. What's the biggest concern you have heading into fall camp? I, I think it may be that defensive end spot. And, and even beyond that, I like the defensive tackle group. I like what they have in that room. But we haven't, quote, unquote, seen the bullets fly mm-hmm. with that group yet. And so uh, I think that's the defensive line, I feel like, is the group that's going to tell us, hey, is this a 6-6 six and six team with a top 10, top 15 offense and a really struggling defense again? Or – is this a team that maybe has a chance to do a little bit more than what people are expecting? I think the defensive line is going to go the longest way to, to answering that question, either affirmatively or, or negatively. Uh, 
And so that that would be my main area for concern at, at this point. I, I think, you know, offensively, so many guys return, you know, in so many different strengths. I think it has to be on defense and with, you know, when you when you look at, you know, every starting linebacker, every starting defensive back coming back, the depth that they're building there, those different things, defensive line and specifically defensive end, I think is what really jumps out at me. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. That would probably be my number one. Um, I think my number two might be the running back room. Yeah, just health-wise. Yeah, I mentioned Highshaw a minute ago. Um, you know, I think we spent last camp talking about how good he was, and it turned out to be true. You know, he's got all the talent, right? He's a guy sure. that – there was another coach at another Power 5 school that literally texted me after uh, the Duke game, after he had that run, and was just like, this kid's going to – he's got NFL potential. Um, I, I don't know now, you know, you – dislocate your hip twice that's it's tough to come back from and he yeah. wasn't available during camp and you look at the running back room and Devin Neal right really talented but he takes on such a huge workload that you just don't know like can he stay healthy throughout the course of the season right Sevion Morrison was banged up for most of last year was banged up most of spring right his first really mm-hmm. 12 13 months in Lawrence have been kind of banged up and then you got Dylan McDuffie who is kind of like Highshaw um, maybe a li- just a little bit a step below where you saw high shot last year. And so I just wonder, right, if Devin Neal gets banged up, like you're looking at it and you're saying, man, like, can they stay healthy? And then if they can't, it's really hard to have complimentary football if you don't have any healthy running backs. So I think for me, that's probably my biggest area of concern. Um, let's flip to the other side, Kevin, and, and go positive. Your biggest area of confidence heading into next fall camp. You know, I – the quarterback room is really strong and it seems like that's the easiest answer. And so I'll I'll go with the offensive line instead. I I think, you know, bringing back four starters, Logan Brown did not leave Wisconsin or, or, you know, however you want to phrase all of that because of a lack of ability. And and I think when you add him in, when you look at the way that guys are, are developing like Kobe Baines, you know, you bring in Spencer Lavelle, you know, through the transfer portal. I, I feel like this is maybe the best offensive line group that, that Kansas has had in a long time. And, you know, the best, uh, certainly it, the deepest, I would say, that they've had in a long time. And, and so that that's the group that, that really jumps out to me. How, how about you? What's your what's your big area for confidence? Yeah. You know, honestly, I'd say I, I know the kicking game is going to be better. Yeah. Seth Keller is going to be better. Um, punting, golly, I don't know. But the kicking game will be better with Seth is Keller. The, is the Aussie guy going to make it in? Yeah, I think. <laughs> one of those you just to kind of, I mean, he signed, so yeah. uh, I, I don't think they'll know what they have with him until camp next year. But I think the sure. you know, kicking game will be better, at least in field goal kicking. They won't be the worst in the conference like they were this year. And worst in the conference in like five years. Like, let's not – you know, forget that it was like the worst kicking performance in the last five years in the big 12. Um, but then quarterback, right. Yep. He's got a guy and yep. that's half the battle. Right. And they've got a backup too. That I think a lot of teams in the big 12 would like to have as well. So I think you got to feel good about the quarterback room. I think you got to feel good about the offensive line. I think you got to feel good about the kicking game just in terms of field goal kicking. And I think that's going to put KU in a position where down the stretch, if they're able to play, in close games, maybe they're able to eke one out because Seth Keller makes a 
a 45 yard field goal or maybe before halftime, they're able to steal three points. Right. And then you get a double score coming out. So those, those for me are probably the areas. All right, the, Kevin, any, any final thoughts? The, there were so many great Jalen Daniels moments last year, mm-hmm. but I think the one that stands out, you know, hearing you talk about it as well was against Arkansas when he, you know, connects with, uh, with Kevin Terry and then hits Douglas a million for a touchdown. Like, with the three starters not in the game, worn out because of everything that's going on, you know, Jalen Daniels is scoring, you know, touchdowns on an SEC team with, with some of those guys. And don't get me wrong, like Emilian's got ability and and things like that. But I think you saying that quarterbacks half the battle, you know, Kansas hasn't had a quarterback like Jalen Daniels, you know, since Todd Reesing at, at least, you know, and, and we'll – It'll be a lot of fun to to see what he can do. And if he can stay healthy this year, you know, Kansas might have won eight games last year if Jalen Daniels had stayed healthy throughout the entire season. And so I think if Kansas can get him for a full 12 games this year, you know, it's they got a shot. That they do, Kevin. Well, that'll wrap it up for part one of this podcast. Make sure you stay tuned for part two later this week. And thank you as always for listening to the Fog.net podcast. If you're listening on the podcast platform of your choice, head over to YouTube and check out the, uh, the fog Kansas basketball and football coverage. That's the name of it. Um, we've got these YouTube videos. We do some exclusive videos as well. Talking some key hoops right now. We'll get into football in the summer. If you're watching this on YouTube, head over to the podcast platform of your choice and make sure you subscribe to the Fog.net podcast. Thanks, Kevin, and we'll talk again in just a few days. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement for his man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.